Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In chapter 13 of the categories, Aristotle now analyzes another relational term that we use. He just finished talking about what is prior and by implication, what is posterior. Now he's going to talk about what isn't that, what is simultaneous is how we're, we're translating it. The Greek term is hama, and it has roughly the same sense. And as we're going to see, Aristotle thinks that it has several different related meanings. There there's a primary sense, and then there's a number of sort of qualified senses to the term as well. So the primary sense, he says, is simultaneity in time. That is, things that have come into being together. So, you know, if you have a, a twin and you're not being, you know, very careful about who is out first or anything like that, you can say that you are simultaneous in time. Or if I'm, you know, talking in a lecture and 30 students are listening to it or, you know, sitting and, and watching and suddenly all of them hear the same argument and it pops into their head, that could all be simultaneous in time. Time as well, but there could be many other things that are simultaneous in time. These are just things that have come into being together, and Aristotle says that this is, in fact, the most proper and correct meaning of the term. He says, neither in, in that case is prior nor either posterior to the other. This is just simultaneity in time. Much more interesting, however, are the cases where we can talk about things being simultaneous, as he says, in nature. Nature. And this is a derivative sense, right? It says fuse de hama, that's uh, simultaneous in nature. He says, we apply this to those things where the being of either necessitates that of the other, but neither is the cause of the other. So what does this mean? How is it that the being of one is in some way connected with the being of the other, but neither is actually causing the other? So think about the examples that he uses, double and half. As soon as you cut something into half, I don't have a piece of chalk that I can break into half, unfortunately, but assume that I did, right? Snap, one piece becomes two. The original piece, or let's say we have another piece that's about the same length as the original piece, that is double. We take one of the little pieces, half, right? They are all coming into being at the same time, but their being is not dependent upon the other. He says, these have a reciprocal dependence. If a double exists, then a half. If a half exists, exists also a double. Even if you're just imagining something, let's say your bank account, something unfortunate happens to you and you have half as much money in it as you did last week because somebody went in and took it or taxes are due or whatever, right? It's half, but it's half in relation to something else. It's not simultaneous in time at all, right? Because a week ago you had double that money, right? And now you have half, but those are dependent upon each other. This is the way it works with correlative terms. You're not a father until you have some children, right? I suppose you could say the child can't be a child unless it's, it had some parents at some time, but that's not really an issue. Although in that case, of course, the father or, or mother is indeed a cause for the child. So perhaps that's not the most apt example. 
Now it gets really interesting. Aristotle says, you know, another kind of simultaneity in nature has to do with species that belong to a particular or a single genus. And he says, species marked off and opposed under one genus, each to the others, are called simultaneous in nature. That not prior, not posterior, right? I mean those marked off or divided by identical modes of division. So he says, here's an example. The winged species is called simultaneous in nature with both the aquatic and the terrestrial. Now, when you hear that, you might say, wait a second, we don't have winged species, you know, or aquatic. We have all sorts of aquatic species. So what he's really talking about here is not species in the proper sense. He's talking about species in terms of a genus that's part of a larger genus. So largest genus animal, right? And then one of the traditional modes of dividing animals that we don't really use so much anymore because we, we found other ways to classify them is to talk about winged versus aquatic versus land. I mean, you see this not only in Greek philosophy, but you also see this, for example, in religious literature, like in the book of Genesis, you know, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, and the cattle of the land. And then there's a, another category, creeping things or crawling things, right? These are ways of dividing things. And let's just assume for the moment that this works. Each of those species, i.e. genera, is simultaneous in relation to the other. They imply each other in a certain way, but their being is not dependent upon each other. He says, into these species, animal is marked off by division. None will be prior or posterior. All are in nature simultaneous. Each of these species is further marked off into certain subspecies, right? Each of which is also simultaneous. So let's say we take water creatures and let's just assume we're only talking about fish, right? So we've got this family of fish and this family of fish and this family of fish. I'll use freshwater fish that I'm, I'm a bit more familiar with because I, I don't know that much about, you know, ocean going fish. So we have the basses and we have the trouts and we have the salmons and we have the pike family, right? And so within each of these, we can say we've got fish. Fish is part of animal, right? And fish is divided into these different species as well, or genera. And each of those is simultaneous in nature with each other. Then we can break them down further. Let's take a simple one, the pike family, right? There's not a hell of a lot of different kinds of pike. So we have northern pike and we have muscalunge. The northern pike, of course, exists in Europe, but we also have, I think it's called the Amur pike over in Siberia. And then we have one other kind, the pickerel. And you might say, wait a second, what about the tiger muskie if you're a fisherman? Well, that's a blend between northern pike and, and muscalunge, right? So take that one out of the picture. Northern pike and muscalunge are both simultaneous to each other within the genus of pike, which is then part of the genus of fish. So you see how all of this works. They are simultaneous, not in time, but in, as Aristotle calls it, nature, because the being of the things are connected with each other, but neither is the cause of the other. Muscalunge is not the cause of Northern Pike. However, Aristotle goes on and says something else. The genus is prior to the species. So pike is prior to pickerel, armor pike, northern pike, 
and muscalunge, right? Fish is prior to pike, bass, trout, salmon, whatever else we want to throw in there, catfish. We don't have to go on and on. You get the point, right? There is still priority there, but the priority has to do with going up the ladder of being into higher levels of organization and abstraction. So Aristotle sums up and he says, these are the senses of simultaneous. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.